Driving it home with Patty Vasquez, Patty Vasquez. From global conflicts to greenhouse gases, the folks refusing to wear masks says, and politicians getting caught grabbing asses says, she's driving it home with Patty Vasquez. Thank you for joining us, everybody. Happy Thursday. Hope that you're safe wherever you are today. And I also want to thank our sponsors, Monaco Brewery. Go to the Patty Vasquez Show page pinned right there at the top. You can see where you can pick up Progressive Brew anywhere in the Chicagoland area. And stay tuned because we are giving away gift cards today and tomorrow. You'll have a chance to win by texting. And if you're watching our live stream, you have two chances to win. So tune in there. Give you a chance to log on to your Facebook page. Go to WCPT Facebook page. We also want to thank our friends at Kids Above all, go to kidsaboveall.org and support their mission to help children reach their potential. And uh, we want to thank Senator Dan Katowski for all of his support and the work that he does there at Kids Above All. And our friend Warren Price at European and U.S. Car Service. Call 773-248-1200 if you have car needs. And if you get into a fender bender, call him or go to europeanus.com if it's not urgent. And uh, I am excited to have in studio with us Alderman Matt Martin. And um, Do you prefer Matthew, Matt? Matt, what do you what do you prefer? That works. Matt that works. works. I'm going to call you Alderman, though, <laughs> okay. or Alder. So it's it is with all these folks running for so many seats. I change it every single time. I I, I wish we could just say Alder. <laughs> just that makes it simpler. Or even I know other cities, it's like Councilor, right? Because um, Alder is. That sounds weird, too, especially when you're coming from Alderman, Alderwoman, so... It's clunky. Whatever. Matt yeah. works just fine. All right, Alderman. I, <laughs> I'm, I'm so grateful that you're here because we have been talking about ranked choice voting for about three years uh, in, on various platforms uh, that I've had the opportunity to talk about it and speak to the folks from the organization. They've explained it to a lot of people. I, I know it's, a, it's partly an education process and then getting on board people who are ready to carry that legislation, and you are he- heading the charge in City Hall. That's right. That's right. What led you to that? So a lot of it is in talking with people at good government organizations. Part of what I like to do in office is just keep in touch with people who have much better ideas and are smarter than me so that on City Council, I can help lift up their work. And one that good government groups had noted from the jump was ranked choice voting. And I think as we head into an election cycle right now, where definitely at the mayoral level and some of the aldermanic races as well, you have a lot of people asking, gosh, I don't know if I, I don't want to throw my vote away. Um, I feel like I need to vote strategically, um, but I also want to just vote for the person who I think is going to do the best job. And this was something where just like a, a bell, a light went off in my head thinking, this is a great thing um, to push right now. I think the timing is absolutely perfect. Because I get concerned. I've, I've even heard people talking about with so many choices, people might just wait for a runoff. Like they're not going to get involved now. And it's another form of disenfranchisement. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know we heard the mayor use some language about, you know, whether or not people should vote. That's not helpful for bringing everybody, you know, into the process, into the into civic uh, engagement. And I think that ranked choice voting has been successful in the places for, for the most part. I know there might have been a glitch here and there. It's also, as I mentioned, a ramp of education. Uh, so what the so every single person on the committee that you worked on voted to 
move this along as well? So we haven't moved it along just yet. So okay. we introduced a resolution calling for a hearing because I think That's what I would like to have us do on city council is have one or two hearings before the end of the term. And then once mid-May comes around, we can, with a new city council, new administration, come in and and really hit the ground running, okay. get this introduced and passed as a law. Okay. And uh, and what have the constituents in your neighborhood, have you, did you talk to them first about, like, do you, what do you guys think? Or was this, uh, what, what, where did you go for? kind of more of that momentum. Yeah, so w- this is something that we've done some social media work around. We've talked with individuals and groups within and outside our community and the vast majority of folks were really, really excited about it. And even folks who didn't even know that we were supporting it but said, hey, like this, these are races that we could really, really use this. Um, hope that you or some of your colleagues get behind us. Like, actually, we just introduced some legislation or we're thinking about doing it. So the, the reception has been very, very positive. And I think a big reason why is any way you cut it, I think this is going to be a really, really good fit for a city like Chicago. Tell us some of the reasons, because uh, I, I have some in mind. I'm not always as articulate about explaining it to people uh, as far as expanding the a- access to not just, you know, feeling like your vote counts. Because a lot of people feel like, well, if I'm voting for someone who's just polling at 3%, I'm not going to bother. Or I'm going to vote for someone who's more viable. Let's say people like Cam Buckner or Jamal Green or Sophia King. They're like, well, you know. I'd rather put my vote on somebody who has a a shot at winning, right? It it changes that sort of perspective, doesn't it? Absolutely, because then I think of it as you can have your cake and eat it too. You can vote for the person who is just most exciting to you. And regardless of what the polls might say, and we know that there are a lot of issues with polling, um, that you just say, I'm going to vote for the person who I think will do the best job. But then I will go through and list a number of other candidates who said, hey, if this person ultimately um, finishes last or second to last, then my second choice vote will count. And it's really an instant runoff sort of system. So it can help uh, voter turnout all across the board, which is great, especially among youth. Um, mm-hmm. That's where we've heard from people and seen in other cities where there's this generates the most enthusiasm. It can save us money because it avoids a costly runoff. And maybe if you're a political consultant, you don't love that. But for most other people, yeah. I think it's great to be able to say uh, we're going to avoid an election, save us millions of dollars that we can put into other things, public safety, affordable housing, environmental issues infrastructure. Um, And it's also a way, I think, to elevate um, the voices of some of our more marginalized communities. So we've seen in other cities um, turnout increase um, with some of our minority, in in some of their minority communities. And when I look at the last election in municipal 2019, we had around 33, 34% turnout. But go back to 1983, one of our seminal elections in Chicago was over 80%. And with federal elections, we can get, we consistently get close to that as well for municipal elections where the rubber meets the road, right? That's the most direct, the most, I would argue, impactful form of government that people are seeing day in and day out. We need to have more people active and engaged, and I think that this is a critical way of making that happen. And before we continue our conversation about ranked choice voting, I want to say about uh, what I mentioned that perhaps Cam Buckner, Sophia King, and Jamal Green aren't polling as strongly as some of the people that are being discussed by all these different organizations. Remember that Lori Lightfoot was polling at less than 3% and went on to win. So if there is a candidate that you really believe in and you want to make sure your voice is heard, I mean, everyone's got a different f- philosophy about it, too. And and one of the things that I, I think ranked choice voting 
voting would help with is this idea that, well, we've got too many uh, black candidates or let's say two women are on the ballot and then a guy comes on. Because in my race, that's what that's how they lured or convinced the third candidate. They were like, well, there's two women on the ballot. You'll split their vote and you'll run right down the middle. So things like that where it's not like, you know, we I think it, it, it diminishes those conversations, don't you think? I think I think that is the case. And along those lines, I think that it incentivizes people to have more positive um, conversations yes. with, with residents, with voters, and even one another. Because if the idea is, look, I might not be your first choice, but hopefully I'm your second choice or your third choice, then it might not be to your benefit to... Um, you know, try to take down all the other candidates because that zero sum aspect isn't going to come back and benefit you. Yeah, the, so it's they they call them the spoilers, right? The spoiler candidates, for whatever reason, uh, it is it, it does I think uh, chip away claws back people's voices, uh, and I think that, that that's why I'm so impressed and intrigued by ranked choice voting. Have you looked at the places where I know Alaska is probably one of the biggest examples because Sarah Palin was not successful in her bid because of ranked choice voting? Where are some what are some of the, the elections that you've looked at in regards to ranked choice voting? Yeah, Alaska's been right up there. New York City is one that's adopted it most recently. And to your point earlier, there anytime you adopt a new system, even if it's going from paper ballots to electronic ballots, there are going to be some kinks that you need to work out. But at the end of the day, I think there's so many good reasons to do this that we look can look at those jurisdictions and see at least from an Alaska standpoint gosh th- those results were really wonderful in terms <laughs> of um, uh, who they have representing them in Congress yes. right now and so I think that's also a way where and there, reasonable minds can disagree here but to say look if you have someone who comes in to a first round and let's just say they have like a floor and a ceiling that's like between 30 and 40 percent um, that can be a concern in some ways because they might have like a clear shot of getting into the runoff. But once they get there, um, maybe they're not going to be the top choice of a lot of people. And so to have a situation where it's a little bit more fluid and dynamic, um, I think can be uh, can have the sort of results that we've seen in Alaska, where you have a Democratic uh, representative in that state doing absolutely wonderful work and seems to be a really good fit for that community. Yeah, we need to keep having uh, conversations about a Democratic, uh, you know, focus when we have somebody, (laughs) let's just think, you know, use their initials, MTG, who's saying that uh, it's time for a civil war, and Boebert saying that we don't actually live in a democracy, it's a republic, and all these. I, I think that uh, this also helps when we have those extreme, like, because people are driven to the extremes, right? I, it's so much of the conversation is, uh, like, no one's, you, there's these litmus tests, mm-hmm. almost, right? And I think that because it, it's driving people away from voting a little bit, isn't it? For a lot of people, they think that their voice doesn't matter, yeah. that their vote doesn't matter, which is absolutely not where we want to be, especially when you think about where our country started. You know, people who look like you and me, you know, when when we were founded as a country, weren't able to vote. Um, So this is something that we need to protect in a really jealous way. And if we have systems that are incentivizing and encourage people not to get active, whether it's voting or just otherwise being civically engaged, we need to step back and say, how can we do things differently? Because the things that we do are so impactful when we talk about public safety, when we talk about property taxes mm-hmm. and affordable rents, when we're talking about transportation and infrastructure. These are things that I like to remind folks at the federal level, it might seem a lot sexier, a lot more glamorous, but a lot of what they do, in addition to maybe some regulations, is give money 
to ultimately localities to do this sort of work. And so if you care about environmental issues, if you care about transportation and infrastructure, you need to care about what's happening here. You need to care about how poorly CTA is working right now for everyday residents. You need to care about what our policies are in terms of making sure that you can find and keep a home in the community of your choice. Those are not federal issues. Those are local issues. And I think the more we explain that to folks, emphasize that, and give them opportunities to have their voices heard, the more we're going to see really dynamic elections and ultimately, I think, a better product in terms of what government's doing. We are talking to Alderman Matt Martin, who is uh, unchallenged, not challenged, is going, yes, unchallenged in his race. So we get to have him for the whole hour. I appreciate your time. Uh, Let folks know your website, by the way, just in case they want to look look up the work that you're doing. Sure. So on the official side, it's aldermanmartin.com, and then on political side, matt47.com. We are going to continue our conversation. If you have questions or comments, you're free to text us at 773-763-9278. We can open up the phone lines as well, 773-763-9278. If you have questions about ranked choice voting or any of the work that's going on at City Hall, I think the alderman brought up some great issues that people are concerned about, whether it's CTA or the environment. And uh, I know that when I, I go door knocking people, there's sort of a list. I know public safety is one of them. We'll hopefully perhaps touch on that in a little bit uh, when it comes to not just public safety, but what we're seeing as far as feeling safe with the within the police department. And, and it's it, I know it's complicated. Uh, I know that there's a, a lot a lot of moving pieces. So we'll continue our conversation with the Alderman when we come back. Don't forget, we're giving away $25 gift cards to the vendors of our friends that carry Monaco Brewing. I'll get that. I, I can't reach the cards. Hold on a second, everybody. Uh, I want to let you guys know that some of our friends uh, have graciously donated some cards to the show. Uh, Noyance Theater and Bar in Chicago, Baker Street Burgers in Rockford, Beer on Central in Evanston, Convito Cafe and Marketing Well Met. Just to name a few. And today's, uh, let's see, who's your favorite president? Do you have a favorite president? Hard to, hard to not go with Abraham Lincoln. Oh, let's there. go with Lincoln. Text Lincoln to 773-763-9278 is uh, the one you can use for today for, for your, I guess the phrase, the name that pays. Uh, so text 773-763-9278. And if you're watching on Facebook Live, there you didn't pick that one. <laughs> <laughs> also a good one. Uh, you can see the other uh, president that we are... are uh, we're just championing both the Lincoln and this one, 773-763-9278. Our conversation continues after this break on the Heartland Signal. This is Barry Maltz with the Small Business Radio Show. And like you, I've had a lot of businesses over the last 25 years. First, I went out of business. Then I got kicked out by my two partners. Then I sold my last business and I was able to pay back the bank the $1.3 million I owed them. And funny enough, my wife tells me I got her back just about the same time. Join me Saturday mornings at 9 a.m. right here on WCPT 820, where I show you how to get your small business unstuck, grow the company you've always wanted, and finally make the money that you deserve. You're listening to WCPT 820, because facts matter. Patty Vasquez is taking your calls now at 773-763-9278. Driving it home with Patty Vasquez now on WCPT 820. We are in studio with the Alderman of the 47th Ward. We have Matt Martin in studio with us, and we are talking about ranked choice voting that uh, I, I am a big fan of. Uh, we've been Jerry Walski, our collaborator and uh, uh, provider. He's our beer Sherpa as well. 
Uh, we've been talking about ranked choice voting for a while. He brought it to my attention uh, when the pandemic started. Uh, it wasn't something I, I necessarily was thinking about. Uh, so what are the, the next steps, uh, Alderman Martin? Yeah. So we um, hope to have one to two hearings before the end of the current four-year term, which is uh, which expires mid-May. And then my hope is that with uh, a new city council in place, new administration, that we'll be able to work together to get something passed relatively quickly so that four years from now, in 2027, we've worked out all the kinks and that's going to be the first time that we can put that into place um, at the municipal level here. Is there concern that, because in my mind, it, when we talk about people feeling as though their vote counts, it also, I think, encourages and empowers other people who are considering running for office, but perhaps the money Money is the idea of raising money. We talked about that briefly before we came on the air. And, and I know it's hard for folks to wrap their minds around how much money you have to raise to uh, to try to run uh, for office. It is staggering. And especially when you're running against an incumbent, right? There's the power of the incumbency, which we often talk about. Does it have an impact there? And it, would that possibly in some incumbents' minds think, oh, maybe I don't want to vote myself out of office. <laughs> so, look, I think that that's, that's something that a few people have, have focused on, but also think about all these different jurisdictions that have adopted it, including most recently Evanston. So you literally have incumbents who say, let's do this. And yeah. Look, I think about the job that I have right now. It's not a job that I have a right to. Um, it's a privilege. It's one of real service, right? This is something where this shouldn't be a job that you're doing for 20, 30, 40 years. I think that you come in, you have a, a set of ideas, some plans, you work really collaboratively with the community. And then once you've gotten to the point where there's not a lot of new stuff that you can that you feel you can bring on, you make space for somebody else. And so that's something that I think we should all keep in mind as we're thinking about situations like this, designing these big systems that hopefully are standing the test of time outside of who's in office at a particular moment. How do you get along with people in City Hall when you make so much sense? It's got to be very challenging for them. <laughs> look, I, look there, there are certainly times where people are not going to agree 100% with what I'm saying and vice versa, but I think you just try to uh, put out, uh, put yourself out in a collegial way, but also really listen to people. At the end of the day, I know that I don't have all of this stuff figured out mm-hmm. with regard to ranked choice voting, which is part of why I want to start with a conversation with some hearings before introducing legislation to see what those ideas are, to see where th- people say, well, I can appreciate how it was designed in this city, but Matt, with Chicago's y- unique aspects, have we thought about X, Y, and Z? And that's really, really helpful. And so I think to try to treat all of my colleagues, everybody in the administration and departments um, with respect when it comes to those ideas, hopefully will make for a really good outcome from a legislation standpoint. And when uh, when you do talk to people, is there a website that you said, because we talked to the, the folks from Fair Vote, uh, is that where you direct folks if they want more information and to be you know better prepared to have these conversations? So Fair Vote's one, Reform for Illinois is another okay. one. So um, Elisa Kaplan, who's their executive director, we've worked really closely with on this. And they put up, I don't know if this is on the website, but I know on Twitter they have a great tool where you can go through a sample ranked choice voting as it concerns the mayor's race right 
right now. Oh. Because some of this stuff, it's, it's, it makes much more sense when you do it visually. Because some people say, well, how does it work? Like, I, I rank five people, I rank nine people, and then explain the process. And you can say, well, it's an instant runoff. And if your top choice doesn't finish within the top two or three, then their second place votes get redistributed. But I think this is a situation more than most where something visual really makes a lot of sense and they have a terrific tool in that regard. And I think statewide, I mean, I, I would hope that, you know, as you mentioned, Evanston has gone to ranked choice voting. Uh, hopefully, uh, Chicago will follow and hopefully at the state level because really in a lot of those primaries that's the election you know a lot of mm-hmm. in, in certain areas you're always going to have a Democrat and I think that having ranked choice voting in those instances again would maybe dissuade the spoiler candidates uh, would encourage those who've, con- who've thought about it before uh, I think it would make a, a big difference yep. you know and when you talk about reinvigorating the process bringing people in you know and, and not perhaps being there for 20 40 years I, you know when we talk about term limits People will come back and say, well, we have term limits. They're called elections. But, you know, I, I, there's a there's a, a, an elected who always talks about, you know, well, you get the you get the democracy that you work for and things like that. And, and I've learned that sometimes we get the democracy. Some people let us have. Mm-hmm. Do you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Yeah, I agree. And look, I think um, one thing that we've also been um, championing as an office on city council is um, publicly financed elections, in particular, an approach where you do small dollar donor matching, because like you said a few minutes ago, there are a lot of people who see. Um, uh, uh, fundraising as a barrier to entry. And that's just something that shouldn't be the case. If you're right. thinking, I'm rooted in my community, I have an idea as to what's working, what isn't, what we need. And say you've got a grandma and the most that she can contribute towards your campaign is $50. And then someone else has, uh, say, a current or former colleague who contribute $5,000. I mean, our limits right now in Chicago, it's $6,000. It's like twice what it is at the federal level. And you're just thinking... Your grandma should have just as much of an Im- of, of, of an opportunity to impact the race, especially if say, mm-hmm. she lives in your home or lives nearby, as as someone who can contribute ten times, a hundred times as much. And so, if we think about um, these different um, solutions as not silver bullets, but working in concert with one another, that's where we, I, I think we can start to break down these barriers. Because at the end of the day, look, there is, as you know, just as well as I, a particular amount of sweat equity that you need to put in, right? We don't want someone who is there purely just to play a spoiler. And so with our idea around publicly financed elections, there is a particular amount of money that you would have to raise before that matching came in. But as we've seen with places like Washington, D.C. and New York, it's been a real game changer. Yeah, and I agree. And the thing about uh, the raising funds, and, and I, it's you know, I know that money makes people stressed out, but you're right. There's a certain point where you do have to like get out there because it's about investing in the government you want to see. Asking for that five dollars, fifty dollars, a hundred dollars, going through your do your call time and, and things like that. It's, it, believe me, I, it just my stomach starts to hurt just thinking about it. But it, there's a there's some value to that in, in that it shows the support you have as well. Uh, but I do think that uh, in addition to those who have a grandmother who has six thousand dollars, they can. Uh, kick in, you also have the special interests. You mm-hmm. have these groups, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, wealthy property owners and developers or unions and things like that. Same thing, right? I mean, so is there going to be, if we did try to go down the path of uh, campaign fundraising, is there resistance from those groups? Look, I think that 
we want to make sure that everyone has a voice heard and that they have seats at the table. Because at the end of the day, I think about Chicago being a union town sure. and the ways in which they continue to help us see progress in so many ways. But that's something where you want to make sure that you're looking at how all of these different cities have done this. And mm-hmm. then you look and see, OK, well, what is a match? How does a matching program make sense here? What's a minimum? Maybe what's a maximum? Do we want to have an opportunity for someone to have a match, but then take six thousand dollar check from somebody at the same time? Maybe not. And so I think we're in the process. We had similar to um, uh, ranked choice voting. We had a hearing a few weeks ago to start having these conversations. Generally, people were really open to this idea, did have some questions around, well, what if I say I'm only taking certain amounts of money and then my opponent can take more? Well, we talked about this being an opt in system, um, something that you're not required to do. But at the end of the day, we need to figure this stuff out. But I do think it, we want to make sure that we are incentivizing more people to run for office, to run strong campaigns, and that someone's ability to fundraise alone shouldn't be a barrier to entry. We are talking to Alderman Matt Martin of the 47th Ward. Uh, he's going unchallenged, so he can spend the whole hour. He's not out door knocking or on the phones or meet and greets. And it's a lot going on in the city. I know that you guys have been. Uh, hearing a lot of candidates. I thought it would be great to talk to somebody about the process as well and where we're headed as a city. Uh, I will continue our conversation. We have a caller who has a question, so we'll take a break here and get to Mirna's call, 773-763-9278. Also, I also see their text coming in. In addition to the folks that want to win a gift card from one of our vendors, you can text Lincoln to 773-763-9278 or the president that I have also, I'm holding up to the Facebook page. Uh, it might be a repeat. I don't know. It's there are so many cards. 773-763-9278. We'll be right back after this on the Heartland Signal. Joan Esposito, live, local, and progressive on WCPT Willow Springs is powered by ComEd. See how ComEd is preparing for a clean energy future at comed.com slash clean energy. This is WCPT 820. Listen in Chicago on 820 AM or stream us live on WCPT820.com. The TuneIn Radio app or tell Alexa or Google to play WCPT. Chicago's Progressive Talk, WCPT 820, where facts matter. Vasquez is taking your calls now. At 773-763-9278. Driving it home with Patty Vasquez. Now on WCPT 820. We are in studio with Alderman Matt Martin of the 47th Ward. We're talking about ranked choice voting. And we're talking about campaign fundraising as well. It was one of the hardest things that uh, I had to do. I was fortunate with the, the people I worked with on my campaign were really supportive. Uh, they got my anxieties. You know, they were um, they knew when I needed breaks when I was really, you know, because it's just churning out numbers and you can't think about it. And the hardest part for me, and I, I, you probably had this, too, is reaching out to people you hadn't talked to in five years or 10 years and how much had gone there. You can't spend five minutes on the phone with somebody who has gotten married or lost a family member. And, you know, it's hard. It is. It is. Um, I thought of it. I tried to view it in a good way in terms of it's an opportunity to catch up with somebody who I might not talk with for another five or ten years. But there are times where 
you're surprised with how much someone might say, absolutely. Yes. Like, oh. Not only will I maybe chip in a few bucks, let me know when I can make calls or knock yes. on doors. And that's there. Those instances were so much more frequent than ones where someone said, I, I can't or yeah, I, I, I know and, and kind of left you feeling a little uncomfortable about things. But that's why I always encourage folks to run for some sort of office. It doesn't always have to be a big one or a full time one. It can be right. for LSC, which was the first uh, election I participated in as a candidate. And that's great because it just gives you the opportunity to talk with people, hopefully about their hopes and aspirations, where they want the community to go, whether it's something narrow in the community or something really big. Yeah, I, I agree. Let me talk to uh, Mirna, who's calling about ranked choice voting. Hey, Mirna, how are you doing today? I'm confused. Thank you very much. Okay. <laughs> I'm so okay. frustrated with the coverage that it's getting because it seems like we're, I've gone to three different sites trying to understand how it works. I thought I understood it. I went to another site. didn't make any sense to me compared to the first one. I went to another site. None of the three compared to each other. So now I'm like, what is this? You guys are talking about it, but you're not explaining how it works nor how to affect okay. my candidate. Can you do that? And I'm sorry, what's the alderman's name? Alderman Matt Martin. Okay, uh, alderman, if you could, if you're going to push this, I'm suggesting that when you do it, if you do it on your own page, like your Facebook page, if you could provide that also to WCPT so that they can post it so that we can understand what it is, make it simple. The three sites that I checked they all started with the history, where it started, when it started, how it affected, but it, it was all unnecessary information. I just need to know how it works. That's it. And how I, how I can use it, how I know it's going to improve things. Because like Patty, you said that people have told you it's going to cut down on the unnecessary elections, the runoffs, making less taxpayer money needed for stuff like that. It'll eliminate them, in fact. It would eliminate runoffs. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. Less, less money that we're going to be wasting of yep. our own tax money. Correct. So, like I said, I love the idea, but I wish that people would explain it a little bit clearer, easier, and more intensely. Great. That's really helpful feedback for us as we're getting this off the ground. So thank you so much. Um, let me just give an example of if you have five people running for, say, an aldermanic race. The idea would be, uh, first of all, does someone get 50 percent? If they do, that's great, because um, we're just looking for someone getting a majority. If no one gets 50 percent out of those five candidates, then what you do is an, what's an instant runoff system. So you look to see, OK, who finished last? Um, so they automatically get cut out and you're looking for just the top four people and that fifth place finisher, you take all of their second place, uh, their voters, um, look at all their second place um, uh, selections and then redistribute. So some go to number one, number two, number three, number four. And then you again ask the question, do we have 50 percent? And you just keep going process by elimination and redistributing people's second place votes, if not that third place votes, until you ultimately get to two people. And then one of those two people will ultimately um, get 50 percent and they're going to win. What do you think, Mirna? Now, is, is, is that going to be like the same day of the election or is are the computer set up to do that processing? Great or question. Be 
days later. Um, it's it's done same day. It's done same day. So there do, there is a sometimes a little bit of time. I think um, New York. It might have been late in the evening or early morning when they were able to, of course, ensure that everyone had the opportunity to vote and then do the tallies. But it's not something that you are going to finish many days or weeks down the road. It should be done within a twenty four hour period and very possibly more quickly than that. Okay. Now, what about like the mail in um, votes, the tallies? How will that work? Is so, that going to be done the same night or? How does that work? So my understanding looking at other jurisdictions is they do it in a rolling way. So you would still want to make sure it's the case that so long as your um, uh, ballot is postmarked by the day of the election, that that's going to count. But if you send in something a week beforehand, two weeks beforehand, you can just go ahead as an election body and start counting that um, from when you receive it. So say the Chicago Board of Elections. So that's something that you can feed into um, the uh, results that come in in terms of day of voting. And then, of course, maybe there's a situation where you have to wait a little longer because it's really, really tight. Um, but generally, it's the case that, in my my experience looking at other places, that um, they haven't had to go back and, say, redo the results because those mail-in ballots that came in a few days after the election but were postmarked day of did change the ultimate outcome of the election. Cool. I think it's a great idea because it allows us an opportunity to have more than just one choice. Yeah. Um, not just in who we're voting for, but in case there's like a last minute cancellation of a candidate for some reason, they didn't. It turns out that they they weren't qualified, or they decided to not run at the last minute. Our votes are lost with that, but with this system, it you know it allows us still a vote some you know for someone else. Like I so said, to me, it's a great idea. Yeah, Thank it, you for your time. It's interesting you bring that up because I know that because I've been a judge of elections and there'll be, you know, changes the day of or there are signs that say this name, this, this name, while it's on the ballot, they're not actually qualified or, you know, all these different things. You're right. There are elements that, that kind of throw people off, too. It's a, a, an excellent point to bring up. Yeah. So thank you. I appreciate the time. Mirna, of course. Anytime, Mirna. Have you voted yet? I'm actually, I just filled out my, I have a mail-in ballot, so I just filled it out right now. Excellent. Tomorrow. That's exciting. I'm excited. I get excited. I'm a dork for elections. I just am. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Mirna. Thank you for voting. Take care. Bye-bye. I really am. I'm a dork. My my dad was a precinct captain up here on the northwest side. Uh, my mom, so my dad was a Republican. My mom is a lifelong Democrat. Mm. So these days are very confusing for me because I grew up knowing that people could love each other and not agree politically. And that's not the case somewhat these days, it seems like. I don't know if you've gotten that impression at all. Uh, things have changed a little bit in that regard, but um, just a little you know, bit. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and uh, so we are again. We're talking to Alderman Matt Martin of the Forty Seventh Ward. We're talking about uh, we're talking about um, ranked choice voting, also campaign finance uh, financing. Uh, I so what what are the things that uh, people can do? We've talked about how to get educated. I thought you did a great job explaining it to folks who because. I like word problems, anything where math starts coming in or like ranking and first, second and third. I'm like, ah, Um, it's like the train is leaving the station at 60 miles an hour and it gets to it's all Mm -hmm. it gets clunky for me. How uh, can people once they do uh, get on board, it's something that they're interested in. What should they do next? Should they be calling their older people and say, hey, you know, I heard about this. Uh, Where are you on this? Yeah. So I think that's the one of the most helpful things to do right now. And the answer might change three, four months from now when we're looking to hopefully pass something Mm -hmm. um, along the lines of what we're discussing. But right now, yeah, reach out to your local elected official. Let them know 
that you're interested in this or maybe you have some questions that you want them to keep in mind the next time we have a hearing or as we're workshopping um, the ultimate ordinance. And so, folks, you can, uh, as the alderman said, there's uh, there's Reform Illinois. Is there, what's their website? Do you know? I'll look it up for you. I'll find yeah. it. We'll find that. And uh, fair. That's all right. I'm the same way. I'm like, please. There are places when I'm appearing somewhere and people are like, well, how do I find out? I'm like, I have no idea. Um, Reform Illinois. Oh, there's, ref- there's a couple different things. That's not the one. Ranked choice voting. Um, so we reach out to our older people and uh, we, you know, and we should be reaching out to them anyway. Don't, don't you think? I mean, a lot of folks, I'll give you an example. When I was working in Springfield uh, during the budget impasse there, it went on for over two and a half years and toward the end, uh, a group of folks had walked from Chicago all the way to Springfield, and I interviewed some of them for my radio show, and I and I was talking to a young man. There was one guy who was 92 years old, had served in World War II, and had walked from his home in Hyde Park to Springfield, Illinois, taking some breaks along the way, obviously. Um, but there was a young man I talked to, and he uh, had walked with this group, and I said, so what did your, your state representative or your state senator say when you stopped by their office in the last two and a half years? And they're like, what? I was like, <laughs> I mean, you, that's, I mean, that was a, a, a good choice first. <laughs> I mm-hmm. mean, this is great. This is important. But, you know, having that relationship, I think, is really for a lot of reasons. I don't think people realize uh, with their state electeds when they're trying to figure out whether it's health care or, um, you know, I know uh, uh, our friend uh, Mike Quigley, Congressman Quigley, has talked about people asking him about passports. There's so many things mm-hmm. that you all have information can guide people. What's the best way for your constituents? to get a hold of you? So um, a number of different ways. Info at aldermanmartin.com uh, via email 773-868-4747 via phone and then swing through by our office 4243 North Lincoln. And I know you looked at the website because uh, you and I were both like, what's the website? So yeah. what's the website? Reformforillinois.org. Reformforillinois.org is the uh, one of the organizations that is focused on ranked choice voting as well as fair vote. Uh, Re- Alderman Matt Martin is working with Reform for Illinois. And, uh, and the more informed you are, uh, and I think people often feel uh, hopeless or, as you, we've talked about, disenfranchised. You know, getting just even looking up the information, getting the basics, I think, helps people feel empowered, don't you? Absolutely. And it helps uh, generate those sort of questions. And, so, and some of them are ones that wouldn't have uh, occurred to us. And so it's always helpful to get that constructive feedback early on. So we're doing our job at the end of the day. Let's take a break here and continue our conversation with Alderman Matt Martin, again, from the 47th Ward. Uh, I'm holding up the, uh, the sign for our our Facebook friends. Go to WCPT's Facebook page. Thank you to our friend Meryl Miller, who uh, just sent us a new graphic because uh, my graphic still says I'm only on until 6 o'clock. So uh, we'll, I'll get that up on my Twitter and I'll figure out a way to get it to the folks on WCPT's page as well. And uh, of course, Lincoln is the name to text 2773-763-9278 in addition to the one you see on Facebook. Let's continue our conversation in just a moment. I kind of want to talk about what happened yesterday uh, talking about having some extremists in our police department and I I just, I, we should be able to talk about these things. I shouldn't have to feel afraid to bring these things up. More in a moment on the Heartland Signal. Hi, this is Joan Esposito. Please join us Tuesday, February 28th for WCPT's Chicago Mayoral Election Night coverage. We'll be giving you the latest updated election results of the Chicago Mayor's Race for one of the most exciting City of Chicago elections in years. We'll be live from 2 p.m. to 10 p.m. with updates and results as soon as they come in from all over the city. Santita Jackson and I will join Patty Vasquez after 7 to check in on the mayoral race and all 50 aldermanic races and the latest updates. 
updates. WCPT's City of Chicago mayoral election coverage is sponsored by Fazio Insurance, an independent insurance agency serving residents and businesses in Will and DuPage counties since 1953. Whether you're in the market for a new policy or need to update a policy, their licensed insurance agents are here to help you every step of the way. For more information, contact Paul Fazio at 815-727-2611 or at FazioInsurance.com. Because facts matter. You're listening to WCPT 820. You're listening to Driving It Home with Patty Vasquez on WCPT 820. There's a new uh, there's new electeds on your ballot. If you live in the city of Chicago, we now have uh, police board candidates, uh, and I'm trying to understand uh, how this is unfolding. So if, let's start there with Alderman Matt Martin of the 47th Ward. Uh, tell folks a little bit about how important it is to uh, get informed about who is running for your police board. Yeah, I'm really, really excited about these positions. They're new for folks to vote on for the first time. So we have 22 police districts across the city. Um, there will be three people that you can vote for up to three people um, in whichever district you fall in. And these are individuals who will have will be tasked with a number of things, but fundamentally centering community voice when it comes to public safety conversations and decision making. So three individuals who are going to say, hey, what does our community need? What are we seeing in terms of violent crime, less violent crime? How do we want to see communications come out, alerts? Because that's going to vary community to community. Um, and then we want to see what our various community stakeholders are saying, our elected officials, police departments, state's attorney's office, violence prevention organizations, mental health groups, and then to say, okay, based on all these conversations, um, we want to propose the uh, various um, levels of government, whether it's municipal, state, county, federal, that they take uh, various actions to improve public safety. So really like channel all those frustrations in a constructive way where people feel heard and they feel that progress is being made as a result. And I know that there are several publications that are uh, that have the lists of the candidates and you can do a little more research. I know in my neighborhood, it's you know, it's hard to believe the 16th district has uh, some of the, the biggest percentage of first responders in mm-hmm. the city of Chicago. I believe almost all of them are either law enforcement adjacent. Uh, what are what, you know? What are the requirements? You can't be a family member of CPD, or can you be? I can't remember what the, how this. Un- I think you can't be, say, uh, a member of CPD currently, and there's like a five year cooling off period, kind of like what we have with organizations like COPA that sure. investigate allegations of officer misconduct. Um, there are some age uh, restrictions as well, um, but it's it's pretty accommodating in terms of people's background. Most of the candidates, as far as I can tell, if not all, um, what I'm saying is in this neighborhood, for whatever reason, I think I know at least one progressive thought about running and started passing petitions and it was late and it was a lot of signatures. So we have a lot of rah-rah police candidates in the 16th district. uh, And that's different in every community. what, uh, you know, I know that yesterday there was a rather heated, extended conversation in City Hall regarding extremists in the Chicago Police Department. And, I, you know, after January 6th and even before that, uh, look, as I said, I grew up here. I know how some people talk, not just whether it's police officers or just people who are somewhat tribal, let's put it that way, want to be around people who are the same or have more extreme thoughts. What can we do? And what should be done 
when it, in regards to extremists in our police department? Yeah, so I think when we were talking about yesterday's hearing, there were two cases that we were discussing. One was an individual um, who was actively involved with the Proud Boys um, and someone who, when there was a complaint lodged against him in terms of his association with um, that extremist group, um, he lied about it. Um, and that's problematic for two reasons. One, these are sorts of organizations where I think most reasonable people can agree. We don't want anyone in government, including law enforcement, um, uh, having significant associations with them. On the one hand, we very much value individuals' rights to free association, but we also want to be very careful about organizations that are very extreme and to be able to draw bright lines to say, look, when you're in a position of service, when you're working to make sure that people feel heard, that they can come to you. You, sometimes uh, in, in situations where they've experienced absolutely traumatic things, that they have confidence that they will be treated respectfully regardless of their background. And so organizations that have made clear in varying ways that they don't feel that people of color um, should even be living in our communities, much less have positions of leadership, similar um, opinions about people of different faiths, um, that's a real, real cause for concern and we need to take that seriously. So yesterday, um, there was one individual who, despite having lied about his association with the Proud Boys um, was not terminated. And and in addition to his association with the Proud Boys, the fact that he lied and the police department concluded in writing that he lied poses a real challenge because there are times where an officer, say they arrest someone, they are, are part of an investigation, they might ultimately be asked to go to court and to provide testimony. And one of the things that can happen in terms of a defense um, attorney is impeaching that person, saying you shouldn't believe what they're saying because they have a pattern of lying. And so we we have... Um, uh, rules in place for the police department in particular that say if you are caught lying in a way that is material to the work that you're doing, we really can't have you be a part of the force because then you can't be an officer. You can't be patrolling. Then maybe you can be a timekeeper. But do we want to pay someone um, significant amounts of money, having invested in them as well, uh, to be a timekeeper when we need them to be doing other work, to be responding to investigating, solving crimes, especially violent crimes? We don't want that to happen. And so I think that um, there are, are some leaders in the police department who made a, a very, very unfortunate decision here in terms of not ending this person's employment, because if he chooses after serving a suspension to come back, um, there are many types of important work within the police department that he's not going to be able to do because the police department itself concluded he lied. And then even yesterday, they tried to backtrack from that. They said, well, we don't actually uh, verbally agree with that um, determination. I said, well, you all put it in writing to begin with. So oh. what? what is it? What? <laughs> were you mistaken now or were you mistaken then? And you just think this is not, this is a really frustrating, unproductive conversation because with public safety being so top of mind, we want to have situations where we're improving trust between the police department and the public. That's a reason why these police district councils are so important right now. And the conversation yesterday and the decisions that led us up to that conversation um, are a real step back towards that broader goal of improving collaboration. Yeah, I agree. There's a candidate running in the 16th district uh, who I went door knocking with when um, 
uh, Alder, Alderwoman Rodriguez and uh, uh, Will Gazzardi, uh, Representative Will Gazzardi, had uh, uh, folks going door knocking ahead of the threats of raids, that uh, ICE raids, when mm-hmm. President Trump said that he was sending people to Chicago. My mother is fluent in Spanish, and so I, I didn't want to tell people their rights in, in my halting Spanish. And when I met up with my friend who is now running for police board, he's a Cook County sheriff, and he goes, you know, you just make my job harder. And I was like, by telling people their rights? And I, I don't understand. Like, it, it seems to me like that attitude, not as extreme, but, you know, it, it, it knocked my faith down and mm-hmm. with some of the work that they do. And, and hearing, I would think that people who serve with an officer who lied and who has an extremist, it also puts them at jeopardy, other police officers, don't you think? I th- I, w- people are not able to do the job that we've hired them to do that they want to do, right? Like all of us as public servants, we, um, the vast majority of us are here to do the very best job to improve the day-to-day lives of our neighbors, of our family members, and to work alongside individuals um, who, to be clear, represent a minority of people. And look, I've got got colleagues, um, it's well documented throughout the last uh, number of decades, um, who have had real legal challenges and that has impacted our work as current city council members where a lot of people in the public rightly um, have some concerns and some questions around how uh, city council functions and are we always looking out for the best interests of residents as opposed to ourselves. So I know firsthand what it means um, when you have um, current and former colleagues that are having challenges and I know that uh, city council is not unique in that regard including sure. with the police department. Yeah, it breeds cynicism too and, and this goes back to ranked choice voting where people feel like well what difference does it make if I vote if they're going to just you know be on the take or they're doing favors for each other or they're diminishing the rights of my neighbors. Uh, it is. It, it makes it harder. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And when you have situations like with the police department where we ask them to do a lot, in my opinion, way too much. But if you have yes. situations where people are reading the news that came out yesterday saying, wait, so there are multiple uh, members of the police department who are associated with the Oath Keepers, associated with the Proud Boys, individuals who right. are actively, actively participating in the January 6th riots, as well as other incidents of profound hate and looking to overturn our democratic institutions, like, I'm going to have real reservations about, like, who am I going to be, uh, who's going to be responding to my 911 call? Right. Um, and, and that just, we can't afford to have that be the case. And that's why I think it's really important to set send a, a clear signal and to have very clear lines with the police department and all of our other um, departments to be clear about what will and will not be tolerated. And when you see that muddying of the waters, we we lose that faith, as, as you just mentioned, that's so critical to... Um, government operating the way that people need. You and I talked uh, briefly with my friend Jerry about uh, Screen Actors Guild screeners, and I just watched Till. And we are not that far removed from a culture where people's lives were valued less. And we continue, if we have people like that in the police department, it just, you know, and I'm watching, There's. I know that I shouldn't look at social media. I don't know if you know about the creator of Dilbert just said horrible thing. Oh, I don't even, you don't even want to know. But it's like, there's like this acceleration of othering every people. And and the things that we see that have happened to uh, people of color, uh, we, we we have to be vigilant. And so we have about a moment left. I want to thank you for the work that you do. Uh, I want to invite you to come on anytime you want to amplify any message or just come hang out. I don't know if you like Progressive Brew, but we'll always have one ready for you on the way out if you'd like to take some with you. Uh, is there anything you want to share on your way out before you go, a message that you'd like to share with the residents of Chicago and in the in the listening area? Yeah. Uh, please, please show up to vote. 
Um, and if you need assistance in terms of voter guides or things like that, aldermanic offices, along with others, can help provide that information in a neutral way. Um, these police district council races in particular, a lot of people still don't know that they're going to have the opportunity to vote for people who are going to be focusing on public safety. So um, the Sun-Times slash WBZ, as well as the Chicago Reader, both have really good voter guides that get into depth about the positions, uh, preferences, the policy preferences of those various. Um, candidates. So please make sure that you're voting not just for mayor, not just for city council, but also police district council. And I, uh, I'm i going to have a friend of mine who's on after the six o'clock who is running for the Dan Richmond's running for the, mm-hmm. uh, I believe, the 19th district. You have candidates that you are also supporting. You're welcome to share those with you if you'd, with our audience if you'd like. Yeah, we have a number. So um, three individuals who I'm supporting, Marilio Garcia, Jenny Schaefer and Sh- Sam Schoenberg. So we've got a number. We have six running in the 19th district, running for three positions. Um, and I'm really excited that we have have so many who are interested because unfortunately in some other districts we don't even have three running so oh, then, I've heard that <laughs> yeah that's that's a problem so thankfully in and around our community a lot of people who are invested and and we're lucky because of that excellent we well, have a wonderful rest of your evening we look forward to having you back actually if you well I'll ask you on the way up but I might want to see if you want to check in with us on election night I want to hear where people are and what their thoughts are as the the results come in that's great have a great night we'll take a break here and uh, don't forget to text Lincoln to seven seven three seven six three nine two seven eight for your chance to win a $25 gift card from our friends that distribute our vendors of Monaco Brew, 773-763-9278, and the word that's appearing on our Facebook uh, Facebook page as well, the live stream. All right. More after this on WCPT 820. Light at the end of the tunnel. Light at the end of this tunnel. That light at the end of the tunnel. Your guiding light. That light is going to get brighter and brighter. Through another day. I think it's a great day. The Joan Esposito Show. Live, local, and progressive. Weekday afternoons at 2 on WCPT 820. WCPT 820. Chicago's progressive talk. Where facts matter. Hi folks, I'm Kirk Bankstead from the Monaco Brewing Company and I sell Choice Hard Seltzer, an all-natural grapefruit and lime-flavored booze that you can enjoy for only 100 calories a can. A percentage of the proceeds of each can sold goes to reproductive rights groups in the Chicagoland area. Enjoy a light, refreshing hard seltzer and support reproductive freedom at the same time. Now available at Provisions Uptown Chicago and R&J Wine and Spirits in Glenview as well as Eastside Cafe, Coffee and Wine Bar in East Dundee where Kate is serving up smiles and drink responsibly. Yeah, drink responsibly. And we are giving away gift cards to some of those vendors. So text Lincoln to 773-763-9278 for your chance to win, as well as watch our Facebook Live right there, live stream. And I have another card, so you get two chances to win. Speaking of winning, we've got uh, candidates. We've been talking to candidates all over, all all week long in races all over the city and, and all over the Chicagoland area. And joining us on the line is my friend Dan Richmond, who's running for the police board of the 19th Police District. Dan, how is it going out there? Patty, it's going really well out there. Uh, I've been at the polls since early voting started. There are six early voting uh areas in the 19th district and uh i've been everywhere between me my volunteers and uh my team we 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 think we're having some good success so far what are some of the conversations that you're having because i know we talked before about you know people and even in the last segment we were talking to the alderman about you know people who are engaged and know about this are you running into folks who had no idea that there was even a new elected position on their ballot Absolutely. Uh, There are many people that have been coming in with sealed ballots, 
some of them, unfortunately, didn't even vote for this race because they didn't know anything about it. And I can tell you, in the 19th district, uh, my team and every candidate running, I will say this, has been really trying to get the message out there for this brand new position. And it is so necessary uh, for us to build connections between the community and the police. Uh, that's something we, we desperately need. And we need, you know, we need to talk about building trust and we need to make sure that we, uh, we are inclusive where we're including everyone in the process, no matter uh, what they are and that everyone's being treated fairly and equally. That's just so important. But a lot of the conversations are, what is this again? Tell me more. And when you have a chance to talk to a voter who hasn't voted, it's pretty. Uh, it's been pretty nice to see the response that, that that we're getting. That wow, this is a needed position, and most importantly, whether they're going to vote for me or not, they're thanking me for running. What are uh, what are some of the the things you want people to know about your candidacy, your background, and what you've done in the community that's led you to this, this decision to run? Thanks for asking. Um, I got involved a little bit over three years ago after a murder a block away from my house. Uh, I then went to a couple meetings about the murder, including one with my alderman, Alderman Scott Wagusback. After that meeting, I was inspired. I wanted to get involved, so I did. Uh, I ran for our community organization, Roscoe Village Neighbors, got elected. I head up our safety and security program, neighborhood watch program. And, uh, you know, I'm biased, but we've done some really cool things since I've been head of safety and security. We uh, have enhanced our camera security program. Uh, we have a petition up to reevaluate opening the Belmont Western Police Station. We've done safety seminars on the importance of calling 911, and we're working on another one as we speak. And most importantly, we, uh, Roscoe Village Neighbors, have developed a great relationship with the 19th District. As you know, I'm in sales, and I know the importance of developing relationships, and I'm a relationship-slash-data-driven uh, man who realizes that, hey, in order to get things done, you have to work with people. And that's what I'm looking forward to do, uh, hopefully, when I'm elected as a police district council member. Do you uh, know, I mean, I would imagine some folks aren't necessarily aware of what police district they live in. Is there a place that you can direct them so that they know, one, maybe where the candidates' names are? Because, of course, we're talking to Dan Richmond, who's running for the 19th District Police Board. Uh, As he mentioned, it includes the neighborhood of Roscoe Village, as well as a lot of other neighborhoods. But where can folks go to find out uh, what police district they live in? Great question as well. You can go to the Chicago Board of Elections website. That information's there. Uh, I know the Alderman Martin was talking about the reader and WBEZ. I believe the reader's profile on all the candidates uh, goes over all the districts and shows a ma- shows a, a wide arching a wide ranging map of uh, of the city and it shows what district you're in. For example, the 19th district. I had to get 758 signatures to get on the ballot. Fortunately, I I got almost 1,400, but our district's the biggest. We go Fullerton, 2,400 north, to Lawrence, 4,800 north, and then the lake to the river. It's massive. Oh, you guys, I'm on, I'm on the readers of their page right now, and they do. They have a great page where you can you can even uh, jump to your district. You can also learn information about what the police board is, as, as Dan's telling us, the work that's involved. Uh, and so, tell us a little bit about what you're you envision, because uh, people are talking about public safety, uh, about what you know what they what they want to see. I know in my neighborhood, in the 16th district, a lot of folks talk about how cops are being, uh, you know, sort of sent somewhere else. We don't see the visit of the squad cars as much anymore. What are you hearing? I'm hearing a lot of that. You know, my agenda uh, since I decided to run 
in August for this position is I want to help you feel safe and be safe in the 19th district. I'm all about being safe. Uh, I, I know a friend of mine who lives in my area. Uh, him and his wife have some rules. Uh, his rule to his wife is she can't get gas with kit with the kids in the car because uh, because of safety concerns. And her rule, he owns a business uh, in the Roscoe Village area. Her rule is because he has to work nights, he's not allowed to walk walk home when it's dark. And they live five blocks away from their business. So we got to try to make the area safer. That's probably been the number one uh, thing that I've been hearing about out, out there. I also think you know the majority of people that I speak with. Uh, they want to hire more police, and that's uh, that's something that I believe we have to do. In the 19th District, for example, we are down 26% the number of officers from where we were three years ago. That's 100 officers, and we're down uh, 40% from where we were 10 years ago. In my opinion, those numbers need to change, but we have to hire the best police officers possible, the best trained, uh, and they and we need to hold them accountable. And there does need to be reform. When you and uh, when you and Alderman Martin were talking about, you know, the Proud Boys and the other organizations, you know, that, I, I cringe when I hear that. That is just it's horrible and it shouldn't be happening. We need to hire the best people possible and uh, we need to show the value of why it's important to be an officer in the city of Chicago, because I still think that we have a great we I know we have a great city and we can recruit great people to be part of it, to be uh, part of the men and women of the police force. I know you've been going uh, door knocking as uh, as one does when they're running for office and standing in front of the polling place. And through this journey, what have, what has jumped out at you? What has surprised you in this path as you seek office as a police board member? I guess what surprised me more than anything is how many different tentacles, how many different organizations are involved in a political process? Uh, it's just there are so many people that have opinions and that there are so many organizations that I've never heard of that are uh, that are just so involved every day. And the passion I appreciate, but I don't appreciate the nastiness because sometimes it does get real, real nasty, even uh, for something like the police district council. And I'm just hey, can we just take away the negativity and can we all run on our own merits and be consistent what our merits are? The one thing I can tell you, Patty, is I've been consistent for day one. My whole agenda, as I said a second ago, is trying to be safe and feel feel safe and be safe. That's something that, you know, that's why I got involved, because there was a murder a block away from my house. Yeah. I uh, I have to tell you, just you, you got to have blinders on. I know you're in the home stretch, and the uh, uh, election is on. the The election's on February 28th. Of course, polling places are open. Dan's out working the polling places, meeting people where they are. Uh, you've got to, but you've got to keep the blinders on. I remember there were people working on my campaign who would look at the things online. I'm like, to stop, stop! <laughs> Don't get in an argument. Don't get sucked into those arguments, right, Dan? I can tell you I have not participated, nor will I participate yeah. in any of those arguments. It's just it's just not how I am. I, I'm trying you – know, putting the blinders on is a line that I've used a lot. People close to me, they get more emotional about it than I do. Yes. They yeah. really do. They <laughs> get know. more emotional about it than I do. To me, it's like, ah, you know, it is what it is, and – uh you know, having worked in the radio advertising business for as long as I have, I'm not, I feel like I'm immune to everything because I think I've seen it all in some way, shape, or form. But what I found so gratifying about this process is really being out there, knocking on doors, 
standing in front of Starbucks. I remember when you and I spoke last time, you were getting uh, petition signatures in front of a dollar store. Yep. Uh, I found that real, real interesting. You know, how to deal with the ring doorbells. But I can tell you this, that the residents in the 19th District are very passionate uh, about feeling safe and being safe because you know what? Right now, people don't. I, I, I'm concerned when I take my dog out at night at 10 o'clock that, hey, I want to make sure something doesn't happen uh, to, me or, to me or my dog. And it's, it's, it's scary right now. It really is. And we, we need to fix it. We need more community policing. We need beat cops. But we need to make sure that anyone who interacts with the police, no matter what their race is, no matter what their gender is, no matter what their sexual orientation is, that he or she is treated fairly. Because you were talking about that earlier, and it is so true. We need to make sure that anyone who has any interaction with the police is treated fairly. That's more important. That's so important always, but it's really important now with so much emotion going on. And, you know, uh, I also think that, you know, in so many ways, you know, building that trust is important. And we also, you know, need the police department. A lot of my friends and family uh, serve as police officers and firefighters. And I know that so much of what they, nobody that I know puts on their vest or, or puts on their turnout gear with intention of doing anything other than doing their job. Right. No, from I just know that there's so many people that I love that I also want them to feel supported. And I know that's also part of the job, too, isn't it? To to make sure that we they have all the resources they need, whether it's mental health or the equipment. You know, we on this station, we've talked about uh, raising money for new uh, vests, right? Things like that, too. I just I just donate. I just donated to a vest last week. Yeah. You know, uh, I, I donated to a Vestathon last week. And you, you touched on something that is so important. And it's something that I've learned about through, through the process. I can't emphasize how important officer wellness is. We need to make sure that these men and women uh, in, the, in the city of Chicago, that they have their days off, that they can feel safe if they need help and need support. I, I believe that there have been uh, three suicides from either current or former police officers over the last nine, ten weeks. That's so sad, and that has yeah. to change. Officer wellness and uh, promoting uh, that is going to be a top priority, uh, hopefully, when I get elected. Well, I wish you the very best. I know you've worked hard. Uh, maybe we'll check in with you on election night. I want to see how, uh, do we know, I mean, this is the first time we're doing this. I'm guessing we'll know pretty quickly since it's just, it's, you know, a, 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 a very specific area, right? I don't know. It's bigger than the aldermanic areas, right? It's, it's, it is. It's much bigger. I'm going to be going on the Chicago Board of Election website. You know, uh, my friend, uh, Don Gelfin, who was very close to Tom Carmack, as, you, as, as we've talked yeah. about before, he's, he's advising me on where to go and to be on the uh, Board of Elections website. I can say this, uh, everyone, it, it, it's been a great process, and now I want to finish it, finish it off and win. So, again, my slogan is Dan can. I know I can and do it for the 19th District. And uh, I ask all your listeners out there to please consider voting for me either early or on February 28th. Punch 71 for me. Well, keep up the work, and uh, it was, it's always great catching up with you. And I want to see what your ring video uh, ended up being. <laughs> Not as good as yours. Teddy, thank you so much. My pleasure, Dan. I look forward to catching up with you. on. Uh, maybe, uh, let's see if we can touch base on Election Day and, uh, and see how you're doing. I'm around. Excellent. Okay, thank you so much. Of course. Right have a great Thanks. night. Go get them. Let's take a break here, and we'll continue our conversation. If you have anything you want to share, 773-763-9278. Of course, so many big stories going on nationally. I can't even with this the train derailment. What is happening? Uh, if, uh, 
I shouldn't even bring it up before I go to the break because now I'm just like tongue tied with how uh, frustrating it is uh, seeing all the stories come out and the media coverage of the former president going to uh, Ohio and handing out bottled water, which is from his company that he bought from his campaign funds so he can make a profit off of it. That's just one thing that's disturbing about the whole thing altogether. Uh, But coming up after 630, uh, I decided I'd lighten it up with our good friend Mike Crowley, a film critic from You'll Probably Agree Reviews. Because I started seeing some rumblings on social media about Cocaine Bear, and I don't, I don't know what this is. And uh, there's a lot of people talking about it. He'll also talk about Creed Three. When we come back, uh, your calls and texts seven seven three seven six three nine two seven eight is a number to call and join our conversation. And don't forget to text Lincoln to seven seven three seven six three nine two seven eight for your chance to win a twenty five dollar gift card from our friends that are vendors of Manaqua Brewing, where you can pick up a progressive brew. And uh, of course, you can go to the Patty Vasquez show page to uh, find out where to pick one up, including one of our new friends. We're welcoming Wilmette Market at 3534 Lake Avenue in Wilmette. More in a moment on the Heartland Signal. This is WCPT 820, where facts matter. You're listening to Driving It Home with Patty Vasquez on WCPT 820. Everybody, don't forget to text Roosevelt. Oh, oops. <laughs> text uh, Lincoln to 773-763-9278 for your chance to win a gift card from one of our vendors that are part of the Monaco Brewing family. And also this word on the uh, Facebook page live, which guess what that one is? Uh, 773-763-9278. Let's get to Jim. Uh, first, you want to talk about the uh, mayoral race. What's going on, Jim? Hi, Patty. How are you? I'm just going down memory lane. Uh, I'm thinking of uh, Big Bill Thompson, the first, the last Republican to be elected mayor in Chicago. Uh, undoubtedly, he is the crown for the most crooked politician in the history of politicians. They call him Two Pocket Thompson. <laughs> you could slip it into each pocket as he walked Yikes. along the street. Yeah. Then you had the uh, John Bantas Coughlin, who was an alderman during those days. He owned about three speakeasies. <laughs> and then there's Hickey Dick McKenna, who had a best. They, they, some reporter asked him uh, about Chicago reform. He goes, Chicago's not ready for reform yet. And then, <laughs> sure. <laughs> yes, yes, again. And then, uh, and then uh, you know, in the last lady mayor, it was Mayor Jane Byrne, uh, uh, I ran to her a couple times downtown. She was just lovely, a lovely person, and that was a real odd deal because uh, Belanovic was a was a heavy favorite to win that election, right? And he was down he was down in Florida during a snowstorm, and about four hundred feet of snow hit Chicago. You know, and he's down in Florida, so it's not. And I knew, you know, the, the, the gentleman I knew had backed them to the hill. You know, the guys that were looking for contracts, et cetera, et cetera, city city work, and so on. And they were all forlorn, you know, because they, you know, they bought all those tickets for the fundraisers and the and the boosters and all the other stuff. And that snowstorm just sunk everybody. And, and Burns was it was left in the office. But uh, I'd run over downtown occasionally, and she was just a lovely person. And then you got Anton Cermak, who was shot wow. in the train station. Well, he went he told, the poll was intended for Frank, uh, uh, President uh, Roosevelt. And it hit Anton Cermak, he was a Bohemian mayor, he was killed. 
just uh, I just think of the history of Chicago, and this is going to be an exciting thing on Tuesday night. And you guys have a good time doing it. Thank, thank you. you. Thanks, Jim. Have a good one. Let's go, Dave. Let's talk about Ohio. Dave and Hoffman Estates. How you doing? Hey, Patty. Hey. You see that uh, story where Trump had uh, stopped into that McDonald's in the, what is it, East Palestine, Ohio, mm-hmm. and he told that 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 worker that. He knows the menu better than anybody here. Yeah. Then he asked her, by the way, what's the special today? <laughs> I did not know he that part. Better. Yeah, right. No, he asked her that, and then he, they claimed that he had, you know, bought for the uh, fire department guys and, you know, the first responder type guys and, that, uh, and some of the people there. Yeah. T- Trump bought. His, uh, that's kind of a. Well, he brought, he, 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 it was his own water. Him, uh, it was his own water, and he paid for it with his campaign fu- with campaign funds. Yeah, that water. He probably went to that creek where they've been showing them fish swimming or floating down on the bottom there, and just dipped those bottles in there, drank that stuff. But uh, and I'm sure he paid for it with the, the crypto cards or something, you know. So yeah, that that, that meal. But uh, I tell you, yesterday I saw a story where. Um, that uh, the Naval Academy building, they're gonna they're gonna rename the hall and the building after former president and ring knocker Jimmy Carter. Oh, there you go. And and Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin, he accepted the commission's recommendations and he's ordered the services to make the changes by the end of the year. And and it says that the newly minted Carter Hall houses the Academy, Political Science and Languages and Cultural Department and. And that you know, he also he had graduated the the academy in 1946, and then was seven years as a submarines service. But uh, I think it's kind of nice. I'm I'm sure that you know he knows. You know, at least he got to know about it before he, you know, before the the, the end. You know, yep. most of the time they name these things after the person's gone. You know, but that's that's what's been interesting in the uh, you know in the days after the announcement that uh, President Carter has decided to with forego more medical treatment for his melanoma and uh, and rest at home in hospice as uh, it gives folks a, a, a time to reflect on his life and share with his family in the days uh, as he you know rests and and uh, um and who knows I mean you know just I, I, it's yeah. hard to imagine you know. Yeah, and he's the man that I served under and stuff, and, and he, you know, he may have had uh, some uh, questionable people that, you know, that worked for him and stuff like that. But uh, he was good-hearted, you know, and heart was in the right spot and very progressive. You know, he until Rip Van Reagan come in and took the. Uh, uh, solar panels and stuff off. Yeah, he, that's know, absurd. Yeah, he was. He really was. Yeah. And uh, hey, right. Patty, yeah. get to the the. Um, how do you feel about that one with that uh, that jury foreman? Oh, you know, so I, I tried getting uh, Renato Mariotti on today. He was on with Stephanie Miller this morning, but he's traveling right now. Uh, you know, it, it, as far as I can tell, it's uh, it, it just slows the process. It's something that the prosecutors have to deal with, uh, but it won't derail it because of the way they have it structured in Georgia. It's annoying. Um, she seems very excited to be in the limelight, but so far it seems as though she hasn't uh, really violated uh, the uh, her oath as a grand juror. Yeah. But I mean, some of these people, you know, that are looking at body language and everything, what she did, and that, uh, and you know, she's putting her life in danger too. 
Yeah, it's you got these unwise. Fanatics with Trumps, you know, and stuff yeah. like that. So. Yeah, it's unwise. I don't know. I I thought she should have kind of kept it quiet a little bit, but it's yes. kind of too yep. like when you're that age. Yep. Anyway, All right. listen, be well. Thanks. Take care. And for folks who are, uh, pro- you know, if you have questions or you're, you're wondering about this, all the, the information coming out about in East Palestine, Palestine, Ohio, and the train derailment, uh, you know, folks saying, oh, Biden didn't do anything federally until Trump showed up. Here's the thing is uh, the the, uh, the Biden admin- officials, the Biden administration has kept their, their public comments to a minimum, because there's an investigation going on, they have offered federal resources. The governor has to ask them for it. They have sent the EPA in order to see what's going on with uh, with the air, the water, the soil, uh, to see what the, the threats are. And beyond that, the problem with Trump bringing bottled water, saying, you know, here's clean water, is that the, the local electeds have been trying to convince residents that the water is fine. So which is it, right? And then here are folks who the, the president... Trump deregulated, drew down the regulations that would have made trains safer in these instances and, and updated the braking system uh, They because they want less government, right? Isn't that – and I just want to make sure I have this clear. You want less government until the reason that you ch- you chisel away at the safety precautions that were in place cause an accident that threatens your livelihood and your lives. Now you want the government to come in? But if you had – Okay, just don't, you're making my head hurt. Even former uh, Rep- Congressman Ray LaHood from right here in Illinois, Republican Ray LaHood, who served as Secretary of Transportation during the Obama administration, said Trump's culpability is fair game for attack. So, yeah, right there. We, we, want, we don't want so much more government. We don't want a lot of government. Hey, where's the government? We, 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 had, we let them. You're making me stutter, people. More after this on WCPT 820. Joan Esposito, live, local, and progressive on WCPT Willow Springs, is powered by ComEd. See how ComEd is preparing for a clean energy future at comed.com slash clean energy. You're listening to WCPT 820, because facts matter. Hi, folks. I'm Kirk Bankstead from the Monaco Brewing Company, and I sell progressive beer like AOC IPA and Bernie Brew, a lovingly irascible Democratic Socialist lager. A percentage of the proceeds of each can sold goes to keep Wisconsin blue and drive the MAGA cult out of our state. Enjoy a great craft beer and help your dysfunctional neighbor to the north get its democracy back. Now available at MP's Liquor and Wine in North Aurora, Taste Food and Wine in Rogers Park, as well as Uprising Bakery and Cafe in Lake in the Hills. Tell Karina we sent you. And drink responsibly. And for President's Day, we're so, we've been celebrating Democratic presidents all week, and uh, you can. We've been celebrating by giving out twenty-five dollar gift cards to uh, our listeners. Today's president is, uh, and while he was a Republican, he was uh, a liberal. Uh, just I'm going to say that right now. He looked. He believed that there, we could move in a in a different direction, and uh, and and free people from bondage. So seven seven three seven six three nine two seven eight for Lincoln. And I'm holding up another name of a president. Uh, so you have a chance to win a twenty five dollar gift card to one of our friends that carry our Monaco brews, uh, including AOC IPA, Biden beer, and uh, the Choice Seltzer. So that's right there. And let's. Uh, hey, I wanted to. Uh, I was talking. To our friend Mike Crowley, who is the uh, YPA Reviews film critic, you'll probably agree, F- film critic. Uh, go to ypareviews.com. He joins me on the line because I, I was noticing on social media a lot of uh, a lot of uh, references to Cocaine Bear 
Uh, and he, <laughs> and you say so you've seen this. Uh, of course, the critics get to see movies a little bit earlier. And you told me uh, your thoughts on it. So I thought, come on here and tell me about. First of all, what what what, what is, this is a real this is based on a real story, isn't it? It is, and the uh, real story is that a load of cocaine, I don't know how many kilos, but like a billion dollars worth almost, got airdropped from the sky, and in in real life it was in Georgia, but in this movie it's Knoxville, Tennessee. But when the cocaine was released from the sky, there was a wild grizzly bear who found it and ate all of it, and he died from a heart attack, but in the movie... The cocaine acts as like fuel for the bear to go on a tirade and kill a lot of people in the film. Whoa, wow, jeez! Now, by the way, do you know that the the dead bear is still like they have it? Uh, it's been stuffed and is now in Kentucky. I actually just saw that on uh, Wikipedia today, That's... which is hilarious because the movie actually cites Wikipedia as a source in the beginning as a joke. But no, it's true. Like, yeah, they have uh, they have that bear actually stuffed, and it's inside the George Museum. <laughs> this movie was was a whole. Oh, I saw it with a packed audience. You saw it with a packed audience, and, yeah. Yeah, I saw it with a packed audience, and everyone was owing and eyeing at like the right times for the kills, the the uh, jump scares that are provided are well used. And also, the reason the movie works is because you have a cast behind it who helps, like, move things forward. And, you know, with that, with, if you had a boring cast in this movie, it would be boring. You know, like, the reason the first Jaws worked or Jurassic Park worked was because we were invested in the characters that are in the story. And here, the characters aren't, like, to Spielberg level of, in, uh, of investment, but... They are, they're entertaining to watch. You have Carrie Russell who plays Sari, or Sari, or S-A-R-I is how you spell it. She's a mom who's looking for both of her kids, uh, D.D., or not both of her kids, one of her kids, her daughter, D.D., and Henry, who get lost in the woods. And then you have plot lines from other people, like the people looking for the cocaine, and then the cop looking at uh, trying to find the people going after the cocaine. And what a great job in casting the cop going after it, whose name is just Bob. <laughs> and it's played by uh, Isaiah Whitlock Jr. If you don't know him, he was the guy in in the, um, I think it was The Shield, right? The, the uh, Wire. And he'd always, the Wire, that's The Wire and The Shield. Like it both, yeah, The Wire is the one from HBO. The Shield is from uh, FX. FX. But, right. Yeah, he was always the guy in the wire who would like say the S word, but he'd elongate the E in the middle, although there is no E in the S word. <laughs> so I was hoping he'd do that here, but he didn't. But he has a likable persona enough where you're like, I don't want to see this cop die. He's a good guy. He's fun to get behind. He's uh, sarcastic where he needs to be. And he delivers some of the best like uh, jokes in the film. Like there's one scene in particular, and it's in the trailer, so I know I'm not giving it away where uh, the bear, like, eats a giant, like, a bag full of, like, cocaine. It's like a pound of it. I don't know how much they put inside the kilo bags. And when he eats it, uh, Bob just goes, hang on a minute. I want to see what the effects on this bear is from it. <laughs> and, yeah, you get you get a little bit of that. He, he's fun to watch. 
And the kills in it is why you're really seeing it. You want to see some carnage, and the uh. movie delivers big time on the blood. Lord. Yeah. In the, in the beginning, I thought it wouldn't. In the beginning, they like show people getting dragged off screen and getting killed by the bear, and I'm like, oh, I actually want to see them get killed. But, but luckily, later on, you do see them get killed. And there's some great deaths in this movie that, that warrants some great laughs. And, and with a film like this, you know, when you're talking about like a monster movie, because, yeah, the, the, uh, the, the cocaine bear is very much a monster movie when everyone's running from the big thing that's going to kill everyone. Uh, for, for this one, you know, uh, you, you want to see certain people die and you want to see other people live. And luckily they kill the right people and let the other folks uh, uh, who want to be alive, uh, you know, the ones who want to see alive, they get to stay alive. Oh my god! I'm sorry. I'm just watching a little bit of a trailer, and because uh, it is, it's sort of a it's a is it a comedic horror movie? Is that the way you would put it? Oh my god! Yeah, it's, sorry. It's like a it's like a comedy horror. Like it's not really a horror. It's like a full blown comedy. Okay. But there are like some jump scares, and there's like you know uh, horror film conventions that they use in the movie. But it's never like a straight up horror film. Like the whole idea, I think, just from the poster, is you're supposed to laugh and have a great time and not take anything too seriously. The one thing that the movie might take seriously, but not too seriously, is its subliminal messaging in leaving nature alone. <laughs> if there's a bear with its family, don't be an idiot and get a camera and take pictures of it and try to make a documentary with it like that one guy in Grizzly Man did who actually got killed from a bear he was like documenting for about a month. No, the idea is these people are getting killed because they keep bothering nature. They're in a forest preserve in the middle of Knoxville, Tennessee, where there are active bears, and yet people are allowed to walk along that preserve. It's a bit like if you were having dinner with your family, and then, like, someone just, like, randomly came into your house and started eating food with you. That's kind of what people do with, with the bear here. They're bothering it when they shouldn't be. And they pay the price for it. I, I'm sorry. I, if folks are watching me on the live stream and they see me like uh, gasping, it's because I'm watching one of the trailers and there's a guy who apparently gets covered in some of the cocaine dust and uh, tries to climb a tree. Um, <laughs> it's uh, so it kind of like in in some ways, and I haven't seen it. Uh, it has elements of uh, Lake Placid. It seems. Mm, okay, I haven't seen Lake Placid, <sighs> but you know it's kind of. I'm gonna. Is there a killer animal in that? Yeah, it's it's uh, alligators. It's a. Uh, it, I figured that. Okay, yeah. okay. I highly recommend that you see uh, Lake Placid. Then we have to have a conversation about uh, nature and scary stuff. But also, it's pretty funny. <laughs> it's got Betty White uh, in it. I How could you? Take... Yeah, I'm sorry. It's got Betty White in it. I mean, come on. Oh, that, then you gotta, then you gotta see it. You gotta I see, see it. See it. Yes. Yeah, Betty White got so close to becoming one hundred. She got so close. I know. It's got uh, Bridget. Jo- is it Bridget Jones? No, Bridget. Uh, Bridget Fonda. Bridget Jones. That's a, that's a different movie. Bridget Fonda, <laughs> who I I loved her in this. I can't remember who the guy is in it. I want to say it's Pullman. Bill Pullman. In uh, I'm gonna have to look it up now. Anyway, but it has elements of that. It seems to me, uh, this romp in the in the woods. Uh, some good. Kills. I know some people. That sounds harsh to some people, but you know what I mean. I mean, it's 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 a slasher. Well, we're not seeing cocaine bear to see the bear. You know, have my dinner with Andre. Them and <laughs> we're seeing it so that he can go around and murder everyone that's within his vicinity. <laughs> and for those, yeah, some of the kill. My favorite kill in the movie doesn't even involve the bear, but I can't give away what it is. There's also a great scene involving two little kids 
for like the ones that get lost out in the woods and Kerry Russell's the mom trying to find him. There's a great scene with them just involving like the bear, uh, not even involving the bear that has you going, oh no, while you're watching it. But you can't look away because it's so bad. <laughs> oh boy, it's so good to watch. Here from uh, here's from uh, movie reviews for Christians about Lake Placid. Lake Placid is a lightweight, very silly, silly monster movie about a thirty foot crocodile in a remote Maine lake. There you go. Oh my gosh! <laughs> and everyone probably goes to that lake and they don't leave it alone. And that's why they all get eaten. <laughs> that's right. They don't leave it alone. Well, it, it, it shouldn't be there. So, and obviously, cocaine. See, it just has elements of of the movie we're talking about, which is cocaine bear. We're talking to YPA yeah. reviews film critic Mike Crowley. And uh, so, okay, so uh, uh, I'm guessing, like, what's the age? You don't want to take kids to this one. Well, if you're a teenager, it's fun to go to. Like, this movie is filled with blood and guts, so probably, like, not for little kids. No. But, no. I mean, let's, when I was a kid, I'll be honest, I saw a lot of movies I shouldn't have been seeing as a kid. Like, my first R-rated film was Terminator 2. Okay. And I didn't okay. even know it was R-rated at the time. And then I think, like, following that, like, my first, like, oh, I know this is an R-rated movie was Scream. And, yeah, I mean, that one was definitely worth that rating. Like, someone gets gutted in the beginning of the film, and it's a straight-up horror film. Although that's also kind of a parody, too. It's parodying the genre, taking notes from Halloween and Friday the 13th and, like, very outwardly saying, hey, these are the conventions in this movie, and what happens if this happens? But, yeah, this one is very much a B-movie. I guess you could say a bear movie. But, no, it's a B-movie where you're not supposed to take any of this stuff seriously. You're just supposed to watch everyone and have a good time, right? Uh, I was, I, I, I'm curious. By the way, you mentioned Scream. Am I? Did I hear that a sixth Scream movie is coming out? There's a Scream Six coming out, and it takes place in New York. Because I guess when you run out of ideas, you could go to Jason Goes to Manhattan and take that route. <laughs> or you go to a big city instead of a small town where everyone's getting killed. I guess that raises the stakes, but if there's a serial killer in the middle of New York City, I mean, that's kind of commonplace. <laughs> I think this one's going to do pretty well, with, considering that it's got Jenna Ortega in it. By the way, I did not know that she was going to be in this. And I and I, I liked Hayden Pantier. If anyone ever watched, uh, what was the movie? What was the TV? Oh, Heroes. Save the girl. Mm. Save the the cheerleader save the world oh i don't think i've seen that one yeah it was a, it was a series uh, uh years ago years and years oh Dermot mulrooney's in it too i'm looking at the cast of that one by the way am i looking at uh, ray liotta was this one of his last movies then right this is ray liotta it was a weird way for him to for for him to go out if this is his last movie there is like a little thing that says uh, in loving memory of Ray Liotta. In this film, he plays sort of like a drug hustler slash gangster <laughs> who's supposed to be a father to Alan Aldrich. Who, like, if you don't know who that is, he's the uh, guy who played Han, the young Han Solo in the Han Solo movie. And uh, yeah, basically, he's just a degenerate. Uh, not 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 uh, Alan Aldrich's character, but Ray Liotta's. Where basically he he's still in crime. When he shouldn't be, he's way past his prime for that stuff. But yet, he gets involved in these in these actions because he's got nowhere else to go in life. And for his character's motivation, he needs to find that cocaine so he can pay off whoever he needs to pay off, or he will die. You know, along with his son. So 
we've got those guys coming in to get the cocaine. You have the cop who's investigating, getting them to come find the cocaine or to uh, come find those guys. And he winds up winding up in the middle of the whole cocaine thing. And then you have the mom who's looking for her kids. And although you have all these different characters for who are in different locations, they all come together and it works really well where you have a colorful cast of people to watch where, you know, you go, okay, I don't like that guy. I want him to get eaten. I like that person. I hope he winds up okay in the end and gets revenge on that guy. And for all those little conventions, it works. There's one little thing that didn't work with cocaine there is the CGI on the bear didn't look very believable, like, at all. It looked more like a bear you would see from Red Dead Redemption when you're out hunting in the woods rather than actually seeing, you know, a live-action bear tear people apart. Which, you know, it's a small nitpick considering it's a B-movie and it's not supposed to have the highest production value. Right. It's sort of, like, intentionally low quality, just kind of keep a certain charm to it. But still, at the same time, like, yeah, but the bear's a selling point in the movie. And if I'm not buying it, that bear is real on screen. I have a little bit of trouble with everything else. But, but you know what? It's still a small nitpick because the way that this bear kills people in movies and the way other people die is just so fun and satisfying to watch, you know. And, of course, and it fills our sick need to see some people get killed by camera. Yikes. Uh, we're talking to Mike Crowley, the film critic for YPA Reviews. You'll probably ag- agree reviews. Uh, by the way, that was, uh, so it was Ray Liotta. It was one of his last two roles. He did uh, this movie, Cocaine Bear, as well as Blackbird, which also stars one of our friends, Paul Walter Hauser, which uh, I also have been watching for my Screen Actors Guild uh, nominations. We, let's take a break here. I want to talk about Creed Three as well as the other movie that you mentioned you've seen. Uh, do you mind hanging on for another segment? Yeah. Excellent. I'm, I'm all good. Let's do it. More after this on WCPT 820, Heartland Signal. The Rick Smith Show. Amazon Palm Pay. You can give Amazon your handprint and link it to your credit card and your phone number and all this, and you can just walk into their stores and just give them the palm. You'll never leave with a home without it. Brilliant. It's great. It's fabulous. It is amazing. Except you're giving your handprint to Amazon. Tune in weeknights, 8 to 10 p.m. right here on WCPT 820, Chicago's Progressive Talk. Chicago's Progressive Talk, WCPT 820, where facts matter. You're listening to Driving It Home with Patty Vasquez on WCPT 820. We are on the air with Mike Crowley, who is a film critic for YPAReviews.com. Go to YPA's, YPAReviews.com. It's, you'll probably agree. Uh, and uh, I have to be honest about something, Mike, and maybe this will be my journey into starting these movies. I've never seen one of the Creed movies. Really? Yeah, the first one was great. The second one I actually just started. I never saw the second one myself because I was like, do I want to see more of these? There's so many Rocky movies, but uh, from what I saw so far, it was okay. But Creed Three, eh, it's just more of the same. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's like if you've seen a Rocky movie, you know exactly what the plot's going to be. There's an antagonist or or a boxer that you know our main character has to defeat in the ring, and it's either for personal reasons or for prize related reasons. And in this movie, it's very it's for a very personal reason, which. I mean, it's kind of interesting, but at the same time, it feels more like sequel padding than actually building upon a foundation for a franchise. 
Yeah, I uh, I have not uh, I haven't been interested. But look, I mean, people like boxing movies. How are the fighting scenes? The fighting scenes are very well done. Although Creed did it better, but then again, Ryan Coogler is much more of a filmmaker than Michael B. Jordan, who stars yep. an Exodus movie. And you know, the, the direction is fine, but it's kind of like you could see how he drew from inspiration from Sylvester Stallone because when they're in the ring and they're fighting. There's a lot of moments where the camera will quickly cut to something else and capture a certain amount of visceral intensity that you would see in, like, Rocky Three or Rocky Four and stuff like that. But the thing that Michael B. Jordan does so well in terms of framing the boxing is that, like in Creed, there's a, there's a camera on a steady mount. Basically, it's a shoulder mount, or not a shoulder mount, but a body harness that the cameraman attaches, and then when they walk around with it, you, there's no shaking or jittering right. or anything like that. It's a very smooth shot. So there's a lot of boxing matches where the guys are in the ring, and then you have the other guy with the steady cam on him following them very smoothly around. And when someone gets hit, they, he does this nice thing where he puts the camera on super slow motion. So when the hit comes, you see like all the sweat coming from the body and the blood spraying from everyone's head and getting in the buckets. And it's well choreographed fighting that, Certainly is better than what they did in Rocky Balboa, where they shot it like a real box and then a uh, sort of ESPN special. Which I have to say, when you see Rocky movies, they, they, they're highly exaggerated fights because real boxing doesn't look as interesting as someone throwing constant haymakers and getting the crappy out of them. Right. But yeah, but the way he shot it, yeah. The boxing scenes, the movie gets an A for the boxing scenes, but maybe not an A plus because it cuts around too much. Um, but the the movie's selling itself on Michael B. Jordan being reunited with Jonathan Majors, who plays a childhood friend of his. And basically, now that Majors is back in his life, because the two of them, when they were kids, they were committing crimes together. They were stealing from liquor stores, beating people up, just doing bad stuff. And Majors' character, he still has a little bit of that darkness in him where... Michael B. Jordan's character, Adonis Creed, does it. And how uh, the two come together in the ring is something you have to see in the movie. But I will say the way it all came together just felt a little like I've seen this before. Right. Why am I seeing this again? And that's the feeling that I, that I had throughout Creed. Where I'm like, this is interesting. This is good. Obviously, Jonathan Banks gives another great performance because everything he's in is great, although a lot of what I've seen him in have not been the greatest movies, but he's been, like, the greatest part of them. He was in a film uh, way back called, the not way back, but this year, called Devotion, where he was a pilot in the Navy, but it was during World War II, and he was one of the few black pilots there. Right. So that was a huge deal for him to actually become part of a unit during the Second World War and seen as an equal. Unfortunately, a lot of the drama on that will be focused on this boring white guy played by Glenn Powell. And whenever Banks was on the screen, I was, I was interested in him and what he had to say. A lot like how he was interesting in Ant-Man and the Wasp and how he's interesting here in Creed Three. You know, right. to see his character progression from this guy that you think is someone who's well-intentioned, who's maybe... Uh, rehabilitated himself since his time in prison. Turns out he's not really that great a guy. And seeing Banks kind of play that charming, kind of 
a misleading angle is is fun to watch. But I mean, boy, for for a two hour film, Creed three just feels like a hodgepodge of Rocky films put together without Rocky actually even being in it. Yeah, really. I was just thinking what an incredible empire Sylvester Stallone created. I want to thank you, Mike, for joining us today. And folks can go to ypareviews.com to see more of Mike's work and uh, and maybe some of the movies you haven't had a chance to catch and you wanted to see what he thinks. Uh, You can check him out. And I look forward to having you in studio again soon, my friend. Okay, yeah, thank you so much for having me. Of course, thank you, thank you. Have a great night, and I'll uh, see you soon. Let me, uh, I guess, say good, say good night for the night. Uh, thank you, uh, Jerry Walski, for uh, bringing uh, our, uh, for, one, for bringing, bringing me into the circle of understanding uh, right choice voting, and it's something you've been passionate about, and inviting Alderman Matt Martin onto the show. We'll continue to have those conversations. Uh, I want to thank all of our guests today, Dan Richmond, and uh, our callers, of course, and you guys listening, cheer, sharing your thoughts are always valuable to us. And thank you, Lady B. Have a great night. Mike Crute's up next with The Devil's Advocates. Don't forget, text either Lincoln or that one name that I told you about, 773 763 for your chance to win a gift card from our friends that uh, carry Monaco Brew. Bye, everyone.